to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. of the Lord. No, you don't sound excited. I said, are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Okay, I'm so glad to be here and um, okay, so I I'm excited about this morning and I am wrapping up part one of the divine health series have you enjoyed it so far now in wrapping up part one the reason why i'm wrapping up part one is because in the month of august that entire month i think if i'm not mistaken it's the month of vision right is it but nevertheless august we're focusing a lot on our vision and will be dealing with the seven pillars of the church, the seven pillars of the City of the Lord Church in the month of August. So if you don't like City of the Lord Church, you won't really enjoy August. (laughs) But if you love this ministry, and I know you do, (laughs) August will be your month, okay? The moment the month of August starts, I'm sure you'll even be posting to my videos, this month is my month and stuff like that, simply because of the wonderful things that we'll be teaching. Now, I'm going to be looking at the healing glory of the odd covenant. And this should stir up your faith in a mighty, mighty way. The healing glory of the odd covenant. Now, why have I decided to start from there? It's very simple. The Old Testament is very rich. As some like to put it, it's the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And Interestingly, it's also the only portions of scripture that the early church had and they did wonders with it. The early church didn't even, listen to me, they didn't even have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Acts. 
they were the ones doing the act. So where were they going? <laughs> so it's not like Peter ever like opened a portion of scripture and said, in Acts chapter 3, there was a time a man named Peter was going to the temple. And he said, such as I have, I give unto thee. Imagine that. And yet, they were able to preach the gospel mightily and defend the gospel mightily and reveal Jesus in the gospel. And also because we see amazing heroes of faith and that's the only covenant they had. Now, you'll understand when we reach the end that that should stir up your hunger for even more. Now, the old covenant is also referred to um, as the ministry of death. Now, as, as hard as that may be to, to hear, I'm not the one who said that. Okay, so it's also referred to as the ministry of death. And the reason why it's referred to in that manner is not because it was imperfect, but because it was not brought to perfect people. As a matter of fact, the presence of it revealed the sin of man. But that set man up to need a savior, to need somebody who could fulfill the law, become righteous, and make many righteous. Okay? So that's why it's referred to as that. You'll see when we go to the scriptures. In addition, you, you can see the you can see the some of the types of the old and the new when you look at maybe remember when abraham um was going to sacrifice isaac and do you remember that abraham told isaac that god himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice and do you remember how that after the angel of the Lord stopped him from sacrificing Isaac, it was not a lamb that was provided. It was a ram. And a ram, interestingly, is an old ship. A ram is an old ship. So the prophecy was not fulfilled on that day. Instead, what happened that day is there was a picture of the prophecy being fulfilled. That's why the Bible says Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh and interpreted it as, I have seen. So he had a vision of it. He had seen it. And that's why Jesus, when he was arguing with the Pharisees in John 8, do you remember what he says? He says, your father Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. He saw it and was glad. So meaning, that was the ram. The ram could satisfy for a while. It was the old ship. But then when Jesus came, John the Baptist said, now behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of man. So you can already see there, the odd was to satisfy for a while, but just in preparation for the new. You can also see it when you read the book of Galatians, read Galatians, especially chapter 3, chapter 4, you'll notice that the Old Testament is called a schoolmaster. It's called a tutor. It says when a child is still young, he needs tutors and schoolmasters. When a child is still young, the... Uh, the house help is literally a deputy parent. They can say, have you studied? Have you done this? Have you done this? But then when somebody reaches the place of 
this is my son. They are the ones who come and say, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? So that's already another. Another example you can see is the book of Esther. In the book of Esther, it's not really just about makeup and beauty pageants. There's, there's more. I've noticed ladies love the book of Esther. I also hope they love the three days fasting she did. Three days fasting, I pray. I also hope from the book of Esther. Oh, remember when our ladies meeting, eh? so I just give it to myself. I just hope you're able to see that Queen Vashti was actually beautiful. But, yeah. Ka wisdom, kesana. But a beauty, she had it. Yeah. And eventually, uh, that beauty was not enough. And I also hope you are able to see that when Esther only focused on her marriage and forgot the generation that was depending on her, Mordecai rebuked her and said, it seems you've forgotten the reason why God called you. And said, keep quiet. <laughs> from somewhere else. So from the book of Esther, have you noticed that the first letter that was written, the Jews mourned when they heard it. And that letter was written in the king's, within the king's name. And they mourned. Have you read the book of Esther? Not just watching the cartoon. But the Jews mourned when they heard it. Because that, the first letter did not empower them. And then you'll notice that after Esther's intervention, of which she only appeared before the king after three days and three nights of fasting, which was symbolic of Jesus, three days, three nights, and then he was able to appear before the king with, come on guys, you know what I'm talking about. Now, after Esther's, I mean, it's right there. Praise God. After Esther's intervention, notice the king wrote a new letter. And that letter, it did not actually remove the old one, but instead it empowered the Jews. And now the Jews, when they heard it, it was full of jubilation. There was jubilation. And they, had, they now had permission to overpower. By the way, you can learn a lot about spiritual warfare from there. In case you're still sitting and waiting for the devil to be kicked out by God for you. <laughs> The, the second letter was written and was saying, if they come at you, get at them. It empowered them. It's like issues to do with sin. In case you are waiting for the day, like, how, how can I put it? Can I put it? Let me put it the way it is. Once a person is born again, the difference, one of the major differences between them and the person who's not saved is the aspect of empowerment. That means that when you're born again, we will not accept when you say, I don't know what happened, it just happened. It doesn't just happen for a person who's born again. Why are the amens going down? You can't... <laughs> and, and, and you know what, for me, I'm the worst person to tell that. It just happened. I'll ask why it did happen on the road. There's some intentionality about it. So the difference between a person who's not born again, who had the addiction, 
and a person who's born again is that the second letter has been written. Now they can tell, they, they, they can put into practice certain things and say, no, this addiction, you have to come to an end. We'll fight. And I'll deal with you with these spiritual tools that I have. That's why we expect a life change, a lifestyle change when a person gets saved. Always remember that. I'm saying this because if you still do the same things continuously after you've been born again, one, you'll, no, you'll never inspire unbelievers to get saved. Because they'll be wondering, what's the difference? And then they'll be asking what you're saved from. Okay. <laughs> Let me get to my message. <laughs> I was just showing you that the old covenant is very interesting. But then there is something we are told about it in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and over there from verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Someone would say, Apostle Frederick, are you teaching perfectionism? Yes. If that's not what we're aiming for, then I don't know what we're doing. We're not aiming to just hang in there. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 4? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. Every time we have an encounter with the word, we are being perfected. Every time we have an encounter with the word. Praise God. Now, he says this. He says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. So in case you wanted to know, that's why we can gladly speak like this. We're not sufficient. We're not saying we're sufficient of ourselves. In short, we didn't provide this for ourselves. I hope you're getting my point. I'll give you an example. When uh, I was at the University of Zambia, there was this thing called BC. In case you never heard of it. And the version we had was slightly better than the ones they have now. Because they would give us allowances. As in, we would wait for those allowances. And you couldn't, after the allowance has hit in, you start hearing everyone shouting, Zangena, Zangena, and the like. <laughs> now, here was the thing. No one was going to be able to say, I'm better than you because of this amount, when you've all received the same amount and we all know where it came from. But then, at the end of the day, no one could still deny the spending power that the amount came with. So we're not going to deny the spending power that what God has given us has come with. But we're not boasting of, as if we're saying it's from ourselves. I don't know if you're getting my point. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. So what would happen is, uh, on campus, is that when people would sell goods on credit, there was a common term that they would use called BC payable. In short, the day Zangena hits and they come knock at your door, they know you've got no excuse. I'm sure a few civil servants received a few knocks <laughs> recently, considering people knew. <laughs> That some of the, my excuses for the other months couldn't be there. <laughs> no, I'm sure there were a few knocks. If you haven't knocked on their door yet and they're owing you, knock. This is the perfect weekend. <laughs> Free advice over here. <laughs> Tell them that debt swap was for those. Me, 
have another. <laughs> Praise God. But what I'm saying is, the moment the BC was out, there was no excuse anymore because they knew you had it supplied. It's the same thing with grace. Anyways, let's continue. Now, <laughs> it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Hey. Say, I'm a minister of the new covenant. Then he says, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, before you go on looking down on the letter, he says something about it. He says, but if the ministry of death, now you say I didn't make it up, right? If the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Now, Moses had such an interaction with the old covenant that he literally became it. He was walking and there was glory on his face and people could not look at him. And then they are saying, how much more? How much more? will the ministry of the Spirit be? How much more glorious is the ministry of the Spirit? So let me show you a bit of the glory of the Old Covenant. I shared with you how from this, this I shared with you last week, Psalm 105. And over there in verse 37, how God brought them out with silver and gold, and none was feeble among them. I shared that with you already. There was none feeble among them. An entire generation was able to be preserved. They all came out healthy. That's what gives me faith that we can pray for everyone in the ministry to be healthy. There was none feeble among them. There was none weak among them. And then I showed you how from the book of Exodus, chapter number 15 and verse 26, that God told them that if they could hear his voice and hearken to his commands, and what were those commands of? The very first covenant. That the blessing that would come with it would be preservation because none of the diseases which were upon the Egyptians would come upon them. I showed you that. But now, interestingly, we also begin to see that there were certain healing miracles that took place. There are certain healing miracles that we see taking place. Numbers chapter number 13. Actually, Numbers 21. Numbers 21 verse 6. Let's see an example. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they beat the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Now how did these guys attract the fiery serpents? They performed. 
Okay. <laughs> now I'm just advising, you know, because the younger ones like preaching to the rest of the fellow younger ones. So sometimes they need to hear it in their own language. So you can just go tell them that I know Buddha. The ones performed, and so, <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, when they performed, uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder how this colloquial comes about. Like, how does somebody tell you you performed? And usually that's supposed to be a good thing, right? So, anyways, so they beat the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. And how did they sin? They spoke against the Lord, and they spoke against his servants. They said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is beaten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was that if a serpent had beaten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Ladies and gentlemen, just think about this. If a cure could come out of looking at a bronze serpent for that matter. If that covenant had so much glory that people looking at a bronze serpent and it wouldn't decide who looks better, who's more handsome, who's got a better heart. No, anyone who looked at it, anyone who looked at it lived. How much more? Look at John 3 verse 14. No, I did not say verse 16. I said verse 14. I'm starting a campaign that people need to start at least, if John 3.16 is the only verse you've memorized, at least memorize two verses before it and two verses after it. <laughs> after you say eternal life, for God did not send his son to condemn the world. Even just that. So now today I'm showing you verse 14. This is how he built up the argument to verse 16. He actually says, and this is why if you don't read the Old Testament, you will not appreciate certain things in the New. Because he says, and as Moses, we've never read what happened with Moses. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Hey, so the serpent in the Old Testament was lifted up and it brought healing. And then Jesus says, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. But look at the difference. And that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, if you want to know what eternal life is, eternal life means... Life over and 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 over again. And then you add more overs. And then if you want to know what eternal life can do. Let's see, do we show them this? First service I didn't show them. Anyways, they are watching. Hopefully. Genesis 3. 
just in case you thought eternal life is just for your heart. Because sometimes people think it's just for your heart to make you a good person. And yet, there's something special about it. Genesis chapter 3. Say, there's an overflow. Maintain the key. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. I want you to see verse 22. Hey. Then, this is after man has sinned. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Wait. Wait. Adam had chosen the other tree and eaten. The impact of that tree, if we've noticed the impact of the first tree had an impact on him, spirit, soul, body. So the impact of the other tree was also going to have an impact on everything about him, including his body. Don't eternal life. Don't look down on it. It's not something to look down on. Let me not go to that one. It is well. <laughs> you don't seem ready for it. You are ready. I know you are learning. I know you are getting this. Praise God. Now, there are other people we see in the Old Covenant. And I'll just show you very quickly. There was a guy called Elijah. Elijah's name, Elijah, means God is Jehovah. And it seems his name was his assignment. Because his assignment was to prove that God is Jehovah. His assignment was to prove El-I-Jah, God is Jehovah. And the guy was so convinced that the whole nation could have a different view, and he didn't bother him. He's the one who preached the message, how long shall you waver between two opinions? And God backed that message by becoming the God who answers by fire. <laughs> okay. I'm sure that's why they saw me. It just sounds very Elijah-ish. Eh? So now, the Lord God, precious stuff. So now, the Lord God, <laughs> I know she was singing in her heart. So, <laughs> uh, 1 Kings 17, verse 21. Now, this gentleman in the very old covenant, let's look at one of the miracles he did. 1 Kings 17, 21. It says, I think it's, you've given me second kings. It should be first. So here's a boy that was brought to him. Interestingly, the woman who brought the boy um, is somebody who had served him. And so the boy had died. And the Bible says he stretched himself on the child. Now, this shows you it was beyond... Um, a prayer of faith. It was what in the New Testament is called the workings of miracles. Because it's a transfer. It, it, like It's not like 
He's directly just asking God to do something. He's also releasing something. Okay? So, he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh my Lord God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Now, Elijah produced a generation called Elisha. Follow this and compare it to what Jesus has produced, but follow this firstly. Elijah produced a generation called Elisha. Elisha is very interesting because he's got a very similar name to Elijah, that's why. <laughs> but also because of, I think Elisha is an example of proper servanthood and loyalty. For starters, how they met with Elijah. God sends Elijah to Elisha. Elijah comes, hits his mantle on him, and walks away. Elisha immediately says, let me for you, but first let me just, you know, my father, A, B, C, D. Elijah <laughs> didn't care. Elisha abandoned all those things and follows Elijah. And then, what do you call those people? In movies, they call them teacher's pet, but I never heard that in my primary school. What did we used to call them? The person who, like, sucks up to the teacher a lot. The teacher's cowboy. <laughs> I don't know what you call them, but he was that one. Elisha was literally the one always sucking up to Elijah. How do we know? Because Elisha was not the only one Elijah mentored. Elijah mentored an entire school called the School of Prophets. Read it. It was a school of prophets, a company of prophets. And those guys were deep. How do we know they were deep? They could see things. How do we know? Because the day Elisha was about to depart, they saw not just that he was departing, but they even saw the manner in which he would depart. And guess what? They mocked Elisha for it. They were like, hey, hey your master is being taken away. Read it. They mocked him for it. So the ones who are busy being gifted. Interestingly, the other guy named Elisha, we don't hear of any prophecy or anything like that. And yet when the king said, is there no prophet in Israel? You see, when he was asking for a prophet, he was, not even, he was not asking for someone gifted per se. He was asking for someone he knows God will respect. Somebody he knew God will respect. Do you know what they answered the king? They answered the king saying, there's this guy who used to pour water on Elijah's hand. That was his CV. They knew God honored service. And then interestingly, that Elisha tells Elijah saying, I want the firstborn, I want a double portion of your spirit. Now, double portion doesn't mean like Elijah was going to like reproduce himself twice. What it meant is this. What would happen in those days that if a father had, uh, let's say three children, or he had four children. Okay, let's say he had three children. He would divide his land into four and then give two portions to the firstborn. Then the rest get one, one. So that was a double portion. So Elisha was saying, I want the firstborn right. Okay? Now, Elisha asks for a double portion, and Elijah makes it even worse. He said, you've asked for a difficult thing, but if you see me when I go, you'll get it. And then Elisha starts following Elijah. And what does Elijah do? He goes where there's a river. Pats it with his mantle. Elisha didn't ask himself, how will I go back? He just followed. <laughs> the guy follows. 
Elijah kept telling him, go back. The guy followed. The guy followed. It makes me remember some meetings we were going for in the early days. Some of the meetings where I had the most impactful things happen to me were not really in like the best places. It was me following where no one else wanted to follow. That difficult case that no, the pastor is going to pray for somebody who's crazy and the person is throwing things. And I would say, ah, let me escort you. I'm telling I'm serious. That's what I would do. Those are the ones I would usually escort. And usually there, there's always space in the car for those. <laughs> there's always space. Ask me, I'm a pastor. I know. Even today, I can tell you there's always space for those. And then, interestingly, Elijah is taken up. Elisha says, my father, my father. I think that's where he came from. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. If all this is news to you, I hope this is provoking you to start reading the Bible for yourself. And then Elijah's clock fell down, right? Elijah's clock fell down. Elisha picks it up. He goes back, finds the same water. He knew what he had picked. <laughs> the guy didn't say, man, what will I do? I was busy following and following and serving and I found myself in this situation. No. That should encourage you with service. The guy says, where now is the God of Elijah? And uh, boom. And then when he walked out, it actually says the same gifted company of prophets. Guess what happened? They looked and they saw that this guy, they looked, they recognized him. They could tell that he was now the one in charge. They, they could tell, they said the spirit of Elijah is now on him. Interestingly, some theologians have argued that if you count the supernatural occurrences recorded in the Bible, Elisha, Elisha's at 28, Elijah's at 14. And then interestingly, Jesus, who's got a much, who's even better than Elijah, says, if you believe me, the works that I do, you also do. And greater things than these shall you do. Now, I, I gave you that background just to show you this. Elijah's voice was heard and the child was raised. Quickly, Elisha had the same experience. In 2 Kings 4.34, Elisha had crazy experiences. I was saying the first service people that he's the one who made me go a bit crazy because he made me stop believing in what we call situational miracles. Elisha, the miracle could change based on the situation. The guy healed water. Have you read it? There was a time somebody dropped an axe in the water. Elisha prayed for the axe to float. And then there was that dangerous one where he prophesied, by this time tomorrow, he literally prophesied to the economy. There was literally a change in the economy. <laughs> And when they made fun of his head, <laughs> he caught bears. And when his servant, his servant acted funny, right? And when the servant came back, thinking Elisha hadn't seen, Elisha said, was not my spirit with you when you were talking to the... Hey! <laughs> Sometimes I read that, so I'm like, what? Has it ever happened to you? 
has, it's not ever happened to you. Where somebody comes to speak and you can tell these are lies <laughs> from the pit of hell. <laughs> Anyways, this is Elisha now. He went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands and he stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. When you keep on reading, that child came back. That's in the glory of the old covenant and yet such a miracle happened. Various, that's no longer Elijah, that's Elisha now. People should be, you, you can struggle to see the difference, Elijah, Elisha. It should be the same. People should be struggling like, ah, Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hallelujah. Start telling people, tell them, always give me a wedding card. Because if the drinks run out, you know which table to come. <laughs> when the drinks run out, we'll answer it either by money Oh, answer it the other way. Praise God. No, that's... I'm just thinking, you should always be the one they come to for a solution. Now, here's another one for Elisha. 2 Kings 5, verse 1. The Bible tells us about a guy called Naaman. Okay? 5, verse 1, very quickly. Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria can also see service there, right? But he was a, also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. We may have someone in this place, somebody watching. So many mighty things about you at the exact condition. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and they brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. The word waited means she served. So as you're waiting on the Lord, I hope you now know how to do it. Not to engage it. Ah, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> and then she said to her mistress, if only my master. I want you just to think of this. This is a girl who never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Never read God's generals. Never heard a sermon by me. Never attended WEM. Never attended Dominion Conference. Never attended Cell Group 11 uh, healing. <laughs> Anyways. And yet, the same girl, never even read Isaiah, says to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So what happens? Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who's from the land of Israel. So the king of Israel said, go now, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothing. Why did he carry those gifts with him? Because... In those days, what they knew was that honor had to have substance with it. It wasn't just by word. And then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised. That's why you find anyone you've honored, you honor. If you've never, if you've only honored in words, then it needs to grow. And I'm talking about all spheres of honor. I don't know if you're getting my point. That's why they teach you those things they teach you. You may still be in your parents' home, but you can even just honor them by buying a loaf of bread that day. Bread. I should say, just bread. It's, it's a sign of honor. You're not saying they can't afford it, but it's a sign of honor. So anyone you honor, there must be a substance to it sometimes. Okay? That's why we come to church with our offerings also. It's honoring God. So he brought the letter to the king of Israel, 
which say, now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Imagine the shock on the king of Israel's face to receive such a letter from another king. What do you think the guy said? And then, maybe the arts team will dramatize it for us, right? And as it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. <laughs> and so it was when Elisha, the man of God, hey, the guy said, Am I God? This one was a man of God. Heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent a letter. To, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please, let him come to me. <laughs> and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. The, Naaman became furious. And went away saying, Indeed, I say to myself, he will surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. This is where people struggle with the ministry of miracles. They want to dictate it. People want to dictate the ministry of miracles. You can't. It's, it's, it, it, it borders around the area that defies logic. So people want it to be done a certain way. And they're like, in the area of miracles, there's not necessarily a doctrine that, oh, so when healing the sick, your hand must be like this, or this must be like that. The anointing can be very strange sometimes. It can be, I, I told in the first service about a story of a certain girl who was deaf, who was brought home. And I was ministering to her, nothing was happening, and her eardrum was burnt. I think that was 2016, 17, I don't remember. But then, I heard God tell me, Give a hug until I love her. Now, if you knew me, <laughs> and if you know that I learned how to hug after I married, no, I'm very serious. I'm very serious. I lived, uh, and I still live that way. There's only one woman I'm not afraid of. As in, I just, so I was like, wow, what do I do? But anyways, I, I gave her a church hug, eh? so I quickly did. <laughs> Those are the hugs I expect to see from him before you marry. By the way, naughty. Human beings are progressive. You hold this, and you tell me you're marrying in the next five years. Okay. <laughs> you will get too comfortable. Don't overdo these things. Anyways, that's just me. I decided to treat myself as the wicked, like I was the weakest believer, because I knew that if I was to fall, how many people would fall? So, anyways, so give like a quick. Side hug. Reason being, what if I enjoyed it? That's why I said I treat myself as like the weakest believer. So, bah! And then, me and he did that. That's it. God loves you. And then, <laughs> the, <laughs> the power of God. <laughs> By the way, I noticed people laughed at me. Like, after I engaged, because there's so many engagement photos, and I was man of God falls. <laughs> I do want to overenjoy myself. I'm very serious. <laughs> I do want to. So, anyways, after doing that, the power of God hit her and she was healed. Not long after, they brought somebody else with a very similar condition. I was like, Lord, 
<laughs> Do you want me to now have a ministry of hugs? Or... <laughs> and guess what? This time the instruction was different. What, what's one of the weirdest thing I remember doing? Weird. I remember once rolling on a carpet. And afterwards, anyone who stood there, their weight was dropping. I remember that. That's why, let me say this, that's why many teachers don't work in miracles. Because the, the strength and the weakness of a teacher is that they want everything to make sense. <laughs> it's both a strength and a weakness. Then why many prophets don't work in sound doctrine? That the strength and the weakness is that they don't mind things not making sense. <laughs> They'd, everything just shouldn't make sense. That's when they feel good. But every scripture they should find. But remember what I told you. Where was I teaching about Revelation? Was it ministry team? I don't know which team I taught about Revelation. Where I said something about... A, no, somebody asked a question. Should have been ministry team. They asked saying, Pastor, how can I improve working miracles and healing the sick? So I replied, by doing it... I, and I told them, no matter how theological you are, you can have the 15 doctrines, the 72 do Another person will just come and say, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And then they will just say, your, your Uzziah may be that cancer. That Uzziah died. Miracles. Every week, same message. Miracles. Why? Because miracles. <laughs> That's just how it works. It works by doing. That's why Luke said, reporting the things that Jesus both taught and did. Now, very quickly. So, Naaman became furious. So, when you come for a meeting and you, you're expecting something, don't expect it to happen your way. Yield and say, God, whatever you want to do today, it, it may be strange, it may be new, it may be unorthodox, it may be... Just do it. Like, let your definition of order be the one. Because God's definition of order in Acts chapter 2 was a prayer meeting that was so loud that the whole, the whole town came to see them and thought they were drunk. That was, God was like, ha, that's so orderly. It's not like they were praying, hallelujah. Then this one speaks his tongue. Ha, la, 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 la. Oh, yay. Anyways, Naaman got healed. He finally followed the instruction because his servant gave him some very good advice. That's why you should also learn to listen to those under you. Sometimes they're the ones who can save you. Okay? But the servant spoke to him nicely also. So, <laughs> next verse. The servant gave him... Next verse, please. Uh, yeah, because the guy was comparing. Then his servant spoke to him and said, My father. You, you can even tell when you read that it was probably a very... Just said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something, great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? Ladies and gentlemen, as I'm ending, look at Jeremiah 8, verse 22. I can tell you of many other miracles in the Old Testament. I can tell you of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, it was a very interesting one because Isaiah told him to make some, something. So it was more medicinal in nature. But Hezekiah still gave glory to God. Because after he was told to take the medicine, he said, what would be the sign that God has healed me? That shows the medicine treats, but God heals. Okay? Now, a question is asked in Jeremiah 8.22. Is there no balm in Gilead? So for us who sing, you are the balm of Gilead. 
Someone once sent me a message after church, Pastor, vow of Gideon, Nitani. <laughs> like they didn't want to just sing. I'm like, good, you're wiser than, <laughs> than some of your fellows who up to now. <laughs> Baum of Gilead was simply, it was something medicinal. So it could help, it could heal, it could soothe. Okay? So when you're calling him the Baum of Gilead, I hope you now know what it means. So they asked, is there no Baum in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery? So when the revelation of Jesus as the balm of Gilead, of Jesus as the great physician comes, what will happen? There will be recovery. And now, I shared all that with you, showing you great and mighty men of the old covenant. But interestingly, there is something said about us in the new. In Matthew 11 verse 11, Jesus tells them, that there's been no one born of a woman who was greater than John the Baptist. In short, all the Elijahs, the Elishas of this world, none had reached the level John the Baptist reached. Maybe because he's the one who actually pointed at the Christ. They all gave signs. He would just say, ah, there. <laughs> he didn't need any other prophecy. <laughs> Imagine, look at how, he does it there. He's there, he's there. Now behold, that's the one. Okay? And he made things easier for him. And yet, look at what is said of us. But he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You know why? They were all born from a woman. The ones in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> the Bible describes another birth. Why do you think it's called being born again? The Bible describes another birth. It says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. Children not born of flesh and blood, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Hallelujah. So, Haggai 2 and verse 9. What does it tell us? Verse 8, I love it. It says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. I'm like, yes, even me. Okay. Yeah. I've learned to claim God's things, huh? Just go ask a little boy if they have a TV at home. You get, how many of us in that little boy where visitors come? Why are you watching my TV? He knows that what's his daddy's. <laughs> Anyways, Haggai 2, very quickly, verse 9. Have we found it? You just had to go to the silver is mine. <laughs> the gold is mine, says the Lord. Now, verse, <laughs> the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I'll give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So the glory of the latter is always greater than the former. So with everything I've shared with you concerning the old covenant and its healing glory, I want us to read the very first scripture one last time. Second Corinthians 3, verse Five. Everybody together. One, two, three, read. Ah, uh -uh. verse seven. One, two, three, let's go. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away? Next verse. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? God doesn't want any of you admiring a bronze snake. There is a ministry even more glorious than that. And after 
August will take you through that. Hopefully, what we'll share in August will prepare you strongly for that. After August, we'll take you through that. Is there anybody who's watching or who's in this place who's saying they want to give their lives to Jesus? If so, raise your hand. Remember, Jesus is very interested in how he did things. Usually, usually he called people publicly. And he once said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. So when we give out these autocalls, don't try to say I'll do it from alone or do it in the bedroom or something like that. Follow, honor the moment, okay? So if there's someone here, you know your life is not straight with God and you'd like it to be corrected. Some of us, you find we're even brought up in the way that as we got older, maybe we strayed away. This could be a moment of restoration. So if there's anyone who wants to proclaim Jesus as Lord, raise your hand very quickly. I'll give you a minute. Raise it quickly. And for those who are online, there's a form. If you see the link description, it says if you want to give your life to Christ, fill in this form. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus. Say, I believe you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord. And from this day, I'm born again. Amen. Congratulations to you. Now. As the offering baskets are prepared, everyone get up and say after me. I'm going to lead you in just, I want to lead you in a dangerous confession. Dangerous to the devil. Now, and by the way, I hope, even though I'm focusing on divine health, I hope you're able to take these teachings, extract faith from it, and apply it to other areas as well. Okay. So say after me, say in the name of Jesus. I believe the word. I believe what I have read. About Elisha. About Elijah. About the children of Israel. And about all the healing miracles. That took place in the old covenant. I believe what I have read. And now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I speak life, life in every fiber of my being, life, for I acknowledge that the glory of this temple is greater even than that of the former. Say in the name of Jesus. I've got the life of God in me in every fiber of my being and I don't just take healing to the world I take life I bring wholeness to the world in the name of Jesus lift your hands now in Jesus name anyone who's got a skin condition I command that skin condition to change today I declare that your skin is like that of a baby in the name of Jesus. Anyone who's got a growth in the name of Jesus, I command that growth to disappear. In the name of Jesus, I come against fibroids. I come against internal growths. I come against internal complications. I come against HIV and AIDS. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I come against cancer. In the name of Jesus, I come against all manners of sickness. 
asthma be gone in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I bless you. Your week is blessed. Your life is blessed. May good things come to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's quickly give our offerings. Very quickly. service i have been so blessed and i know you have been too may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you you can reach the city of the lord church on zero triple seven nine three zero eight eight two if you are unable to call you can email us on the city of the lord zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.